Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Laura podcast which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today's podcast is about walking tall. How do you walk in your life? This is a movement pattern, literally, but it's also a movement pattern figuratively. How we hold ourselves, our posture, really, really does influence the way we walk. It influences our gait. Um, It influences how we feel when we're walking, how we feel when we walk into a room, when we walk into a room when we don't know anyone. How we walk into that room is not only how we feel about ourselves, but the perception that we put out and that others perceive about us when they see us. So our gait is so important and that it is so based on how we hold ourselves in our posture. In other words, our posture, how we stand, is indeed a gateway to better living, to happiness. So from a physical standpoint, I'm just going to talk a little bit about gait. When we walk I bet most people, unless you're a physical therapist or some kind of biomechanical analyst, you're not really thinking about how you're walking. You might be thinking about the speed, but and you might be thinking about the surface a little bit, but often you're not thinking about the turnover of one foot and then the other and the weight shift onto one foot and then the other, and then how you transfer your center of mass and center of gravity over your foot as you're moving forward. And if you stand in a slumpy position with rounded shoulders, 
and kind of a caved in chest wall, this will also translate in your walking. Most likely you're not going to all of a sudden stand tall like you were balancing something on your head. You will take that in your walking. And you can imagine that slumpiness that will have an effect on the center of mass, the center of gravity. And how you move that center of mass will be changed because you are you're standing differently. You're standing in that suboptimal way. And so that really, it really makes a difference in how you move through space. So I'll first talk about stance, which would be when you're standing. And you could be one-legged stance or staggered stance. But it's this idea that your head is centered over the shoulders, which is centered over the pelvis, which is centered over the center of your ankles. And from the side, it would look like though that line of energy and that the postural line is cutting through from the middle of your ear to the middle of your shoulder, to the middle of your hip, to the middle of your ankle. And anything forward or backward of that is going to have influence your center of mass and how um, that weight is distributed. So first go against the wall. And I've talked about this on previous podcasts. So make sure you check in, um, especially when I talk about the secret sauce, hip flexion, and I talk about the three S's, which are your back of your skull, the scapula, which is your shoulder blades, and your sacrum, which is the lowest part of your back um, that meets up with the lower limbs um, through the pelvis. So the sacrum are fused vertebra beneath the lumbar spine. And um, forms this kind of squarish, kind of a like a blocky um, feeling. And then you, and it's easy to find when you're on your on the floor, or on, maybe not easy, but we want to be able to find it when you're lying on the floor or up against the wall as a reference point. So when the sacrum is up against the wall, the scapula is up against the wall, and the skull back of the skull is up against the wall. That is your optimal resting posture where all the curvatures, the natural curvatures in the spine are in place and the center of mass is in place. So that when you walk, we're going to talk about walking from that position, from that alignment. So you first really, really, really need to work on, it's not like just going up against the wall is going to change your posture overnight, but when you work on it with that feedback of the wall and you work on it with finding your neutral pelvis and your coactive trunk, meaning everything in between uh, your sacrum, essentially, and your skull, everything in between except the limbs is going to be part of your core. And you want all of that engaged enough, and it's going to be more engaged if you need to bring more attention to it, but engaged enough to hold the balance, the center of mass in this um, optimal place. So say you have your optimal posture. When you take that into movement, you will practice weight shifting from one foot to the other. So running is often known as a series of controlled falling because you're just, you've got momentum and you are in a way, there is push off for sure, but there's also this control element that the center of mass is moving faster and with more force, momentum, so that there has to be a little bit more, you're controlling that. But you don't want to over-control it because you want to use that momentum and then there's a turnaround. Walking is a little bit similar, but not quite the same because walking, 
you're really using your glutes in a way you don't necessarily use in running. Running, you're going to really use your lower legs a lot for that quick turnaround. So when you walk, if you start in your standing position, take a step forward with your left foot and just getting the movement going will feel maybe a little bit more robotic because you're you're not in the swing of things, literally, pun intended. But you'll step your left foot forward and then land the heel down. And then as you start to shift from the heel, like almost like a seesaw to the forefoot, start to shift your weight of your shoulders and your pelvis over the ankle. So you land the heel and then you begin the weight shift into the midfoot and into the forefoot and your shoulders, your pelvis and shoulders come with that. And then you'll notice when you get into the forefoot of your left, meaning the front of the foot of the left foot, your hips are going to be um, over or a little bit beyond your left ankle. And then your right leg is an extension. Your right hip is an extension. And this is an opportunity to prepare that glute. So you're going to push with the right glute a little bit, push off your right toes a little bit. And then once you get fully onto the left foot, the right leg will pendulum swing forward. And the iliopsoas helps with that. That is uh, known, your iliopsoas is known as a hip flexor. Really, I look at it and and speak to it more as a pelvis, as a lumbar stabilizer. It's stabilizing the lumbar spine when it comes through the body and inserts, or it starts off on the lumbar spine and the the fascia of the lumbar spine and the disc there, and it really helps stabilize the lumbar spine. But it also helps control the swing of the leg. So it has this pendulum swing, which is a little bit like a coil mechanism. So you load that left foot and then just let the right leg naturally just swing forward, land the right heel, start to load the midfoot, and then the forefoot of the right side, shifting your hip over the ankle as you're doing that. The left hip comes into a little extension. You can squeeze, firm your left glute. And then let the left foot swing in pendulum. So try that a few times with this slow down intentional movement. And notice what part of that, if any, is more challenging for you. So the challenges that I see for people are in the loading of the leg with the hip coming over the ankle. The hip is actually moving pretty straightforward over it. And there's a slight lateral shift to just because of the kind of alignment of our pelvis over our ankle. You know, it's not not a straight drop down. So there's a slight lateral shift. Now, lateral meaning going out to the side. So let's go back to the left foot, for example. If I stepped my left foot forward and loaded that weight, if my gluteus medius, the lateral hip, has been kind of snoozy in my, maybe even in my stand, in my posture, you know, just if I tend to stand and really hang on that hip. It'll show up here as well. You know, not all the times, but you'll step on that left foot. And as you load it more, the left hip kind of swaggers out to the left, almost a runway style look. And the problem with that is if you look at it biomechanically, you could visualize that the center of mass is going too far over to the left. And that will have some repercussion above and below that chain. 
And often that'll happen, that'll something will come all the way down into the foot. It sometimes can go into the knee. And then it sometimes can go up the chain into the low back. And then the the ribs will um, or the musculature around the torso sometimes braces a little bit to give the support to the hip that the gluteus medius is not getting. And when you get rigid in your torso, then the natural kind of turning of the torso with walking doesn't occur in the same degree. So it's like too much of this sashing um, side to side. And then there's an attempt to stabilize in a way that doesn't allow freedom of movement in the torso, like with the ribs moving. And that can be carried out all the way into the arms. There's a lot of little details that can occur when something's a bit off. So that's one I do see, the lateral shift kind of hanging out in the hip and then some um, rigidity in the torso swing because the hip isn't doing its work. So notice that, especially women, that's going to be the case more, but I've seen it in men as well. Now, the other thing that people will do is if they're in a very flexed position in their natural posture, natural standing posture, and the hip extension is limited, they'll compensate in in a variety of ways. Some is that their steps will just be shortened because they don't get that full extension of the back leg. So imagine, again, the stepping of the left foot forward, you load it, and once you get your center of mass over that left ankle, the right foot is uh, kind of coming up on the right toes and the right hip is extension. Now, if you lack that extension, you'll either stay a little pitched forward and just make the movement, the turnover of that movement quicker and and the step length may be shorter. And so your center of mass isn't fully getting over the ankle one at a time. And you need to open up the hip flexors, the front of the hip to help that happen. I mean, this again is a little reductionist because there's multiple things that can happen. It might not just be hip flexors being tight as is kind of a, you know, just a really reflexive way of of talking about the the whole front line being some somewhat compromised or shortened. So it's usually more complex than that. But you can get an idea of how when people are standing, if they've been sitting for a lot a lot of time or just in a flex position, a lot of times that's how it'll translate in their walking, that that center of mass isn't really translating or transferring and weight shifting in the way it should. So those are two examples. I mean, there's a lot of other examples, but what the cool thing to do is to film yourself walking, to film yourself from this, have somebody film you from the side and then have somebody film you from the front and the back. And notice like, is there a lot of side to side motion? Is there, does your rib cage have some freedom so that your arms can naturally swing? Because you're taking that um, ground reaction force up through the leg and then that's being kind of held together in a strong way through the outer hips. And then that energy is then not released, but kind of opened up a little bit so that you can move more freely in your ribs and therefore in your arms. So someone who doesn't swing their arms, um, not not a lot, but just a not like a natural swing, that might tell you that there could be some something around the hips that's not um, happening and that the rigidity in the torso is trying to make up for that. Or the posture, if you're really rigid in your torso, in your posture, it just is going to translate in your gait. 
So film yourself in all those ways. Feel free to send me a clip at podcast at movementbylaura.com and I'll take a look at it. And because walking is something we want to do for many, many years and we want to walk a lot. If you don't do anything else, a lot of movement-wise, try and do this. Walk, 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 walk. And those, um, I, I don't personally keep track of my steps um, I think it's a c- cool idea. I just don't do it. But uh, I think if you are, if you're limited by your job or um, whatever it is, where you don't aren't able to move a lot, you might want to keep track of that because you need to walk, um, walk as much as you can. And so, anyway, send me a clip if you'd like me to look at it. Um, give me, let me know if you have any questions. And just on a side note, on a very sad note, I am been walking in a new path this week with grieving my father, the loss of my father. And I just want to thank you all so much for walking with me. Um, I feel it. I really do. And he was so proud of me and so loving and giving. And I now dedicate uh, my own walks in life to an even higher purpose, which is to keep carrying that love and that just unconditional sense of joy that he had when he was around me um, in me for others. So thank you. Sending you love. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.